grief, sorrow, misery, and unhappiness can come in many ways. Most of us understand the concept of grief because of the loss of someone who died. And I don't mean to bring that up for recent events. But the reality is we understand the concept of grief. We miss those who passed away. We miss them. And now we're down in the dumps. We're a little bit depressed. We're hurt by not having that person around. But there are other kinds of grief. Some grief actually teaches us to do things differently. So let's look at grief as we go through this lesson. The lesson is called Godly Grief. The first point is do things differently. You may have seen it many times that stand at Walmart, you know, right outside the front door as you're about ready to go in, focused on what you want to get, and suddenly that stands in your way. And that person who's like, hello, hello, I want your money. Hey, come listen to me. Or that guy at Christmas time ringing the bell, bing, 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 bing. You know what he wants. He wants your money. So what do you do? You, yeah, you try to ignore but they allowed him to put that stand right at the door so you can't ignore it very easily. Well, I happened to be walking by after visiting Gail last week, the Walmart, and there's a stand right there, not just at the one entrance, but at the other too. It's like they're working in groups. You know, they're trying to get my attention. They're trying to get my money. So I get there and of course, what do I do? I look. <laughs> I look over and I see something I like. T-shirts and a hat. Oh, I got birthday money still ready to burn. And that guy had a cool T-shirt there. I bought it. Yeah, this tells you where you go. And I said, well, what's going on here? He says, uh, we're trying to get drugs out of the school system. Well, now I can't ignore that. And I see the sign, I look at it a little bit more carefully, and it's kind of in coexistence with the police. And I said, well, are you an officer? No, I'm not an officer. Uh, I just had a friend in high school who died because of fentanyl use. And now I want to do something about it. And of course, you know, you got me there. Uh, if I got extra money, and it's for uh, the police generally and uh, it's for trying to get drugs out of school is trying to help people and I got a t-shirt there that I can get you know I'm gonna give them the money and I got a good t-shirt human kindness is what it says something like that I know Justin would appreciate that one human kindness that's not bad but what really got me, what really connected me was the grief the gentleman had. He didn't show it. I said, oh, I'm sorry, and I shook his hand. He says, that's okay. You know, we're not all good at sharing grief, but he's sharing it in such a way that he's out doing something about it. 
That caught my attention. You see, his sorrow for his friend led to a change. Now, who in high school really wants to be out in front of Walmart, or after high school for that matter, standing and begging for money for whatever reason when you can be out having fun and doing other things? Well, someone who has changed his outlook to look at life a little bit differently. There are, a lot, there are not many people who change their lives without some impetus or some motivation. I don't think there are. You may disagree with me, but I don't think a lot of people just change the way they do things without some sort of reason. His was grief. For he knew if he did not act in some way, this was going to continue, and it will continue, but maybe he can have some impact. Maybe he can help with these funds as they reach out to the school to get the message across, you know. Life's bigger than drugs. Life's bigger than alcohol. Has anyone here ever lost friends or family to drug use or alcohol use? All right, quite. Actually, there was more than I was thinking. It's a, did that change the way you looked at alcohol and drugs? And for those who haven't lost friends or family, do you have the impetus to tell them, be careful? Or are you more encouraging and saying, have a good time? Just don't drive. Sometimes, if we don't stand up for something, it's because we haven't had that impetus, that motivation to go, let's think about that a little differently. Let's consider. My friend, and I know I brought this up, 15 years he was an attorney. I didn't know him then. He liked his alcohol. He liked driving. And sadly, he killed somebody. Spent 15 years in prison. He learned about Christ, though. He was immersed for the forgiveness of his sins while in prison. And I met him after he got out. And guess where I met him? School. Sunset International Bible Institute. You know, they do take felons. Even though he wasn't allowed to leave Texas for many years after that. They take felons there. Why? Because, hey, they have motivation. Something happened in their life that said, hmm, that's not the best way to go. This is the better way. And let me help other people who may have or might go that direction. And not just teaching about worldly things, but teaching about godly things. You see, worldly grief sent him to prison. And so he could think about the wrong he did. Although he has no recollection of the situation. 
Alcohol kind of does that, doesn't it? And maybe getting smacked on the head in a car. I don't know. I guess so. But godly grief. Godly grief led to repentance. Godly grief led to a change in his life. The second point is Corinth. I like doing the newsletters. If you've been reading the newsletters and following along, you know that I've been going through the Bible. I like doing them because they help me focus on the Word of God. No, I don't have all understanding off the top of my head, and I must keep learning. And this is a way for me to learn, to write a condensed synopsis focusing on the, the topics that are within, that the author, who is God, wants us to understand. So i just gone through 2 Corinthians. As we know, the church in Corinth had some reasons to grieve, didn't they? Paul was willing to make them sorrowful because of their divisions, their acceptance of various sins, their selfishness and their destroying behaviors. He challenged them. <coughs> and fortunately, what? They listened. They, list they had an impetus. They had a motivation that made them go, why is Paul so upset? Why is the word of God being knocked on our heads? Why are we being challenged? So after 1 Corinthians was written and before 2 Corinthians was penned, Titus was sent by Paul to Corinth and came back from a visit to the Corinthian congregation. To their credit, what? The grief they were pricked by because of their ungodly behavior pointed out by Paul turned to a godly sorrow. It turned to a godly repentance. And because of their sincere repentance, Titus came back with what? Great news! Great news! Paul, let me tell you something. Remember that division that you pointed out in First Corinthians? It's gone. It's been dealt with. Yeah, there might be some out there, but we're talking about the majority. It's a good thing. The Corinthian church had listened to Paul's correction, and they were behaving more appropriately in Christ. Paul said, For even if I made you grieve with my letter referring to 1 Corinthians, I do not regret it, though I regret it. That hit home with me. I hate hate might be a strong word making people feel bad even with the truth it just kind of goes against me but I love it when they respond the way they're supposed to I don't like making I don't make a 
My job is not to make people feel bad. But the reality is, the truth hurts. Especially if you're not following the path that God wants you to follow. But that rejoicing that comes when people go, I get it. That makes up for everything that I felt. And Paul's kind of similar here, in my opinion. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter grieved you. It made you feel bad, and I didn't like that, though only for a little while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, because you were grieved into repenting. And what did the repenting produce? It produced spiritually healthy members for Christ. For what was divided was no longer divided. What was unloving was no longer unloving. What was doctrinally incorrect was put away, and Christ's teaching through the apostles abounded. Does this mean these Christians shouldn't be on guard against Satan's future attacks? Oh, my, no. We're all going to have our ups and downs. We're all going to have to be corrected periodically. We're all going to need to be encouraged. We're all going to be needed to love. We all go through different situations in life where we just, some people need more hugging and kissing. And, uh, and a lot of us young folks, yeah, I'm going to still try to put myself in that. We haven't been there yet. So we don't fully understand where everybody else is at who might be going through certain things. Why weren't we born old so that we can understand how older people go through? What older people go through? It's one of those questions you've got to ask God. Because the understanding process is a process. For even Paul in 2 Corinthians spoke of the false apostles still attempting to influence. Just because he sent the 1 Corinthians doesn't mean... There wasn't going to be more correspondence in the future because of these other false apostles. But following Christ's teachings is a good deal, good way to deal with false teachers, isn't it? And if you're healthier in your walk with Christ because you are grieved into sorrowful repentance, are you going to be better or worse at fending off false teachers? Be better. Because you've dealt with certain issues and you can accept that, that you were faulty. Now let's look at who the authority is. I think of Saddam Hussein. Now, if you were born later than the 90s or 80s, most likely, you probably have no idea who I'm talking about. But that was the time when my mom was afraid of me being drafted or didn't want me to go in the military just a few years before that. Why? Because we went to war there. Iraq. Now, Saddam, as we learned, was not a nice guy. Not a nice guy at all. He didn't have a lot of grief for people going through pain. He didn't have a lot of grief for his own people. If you ever studied some of the things he did and his boys... 
I don't know how they live with themselves, honestly. He liked Hitler, if that says anything. Studied some of that stuff and perpetuated it. He went from a palace to a hole in the ground. That guy knew grief now or then. But was it a godly grief or a worldly grief? Paul said, for godly grief reproduces a repentance that leads to salvation. Man, I blew it. How can I get myself right? Without regret. And some of us have some big old sins in our past. But if you're in Christ, should those matter anymore? Whereas worldly grief produces death. 2 Corinthians 7.10 So I'm going to bring us back to a little bit with John. Because I still focused on John. The Gospel. In the Gospel of John, grief can be seen in many ways. There was grief at the wedding when the wine ran out. Oh, no, the wine ran out. Oh, what are we going to do? Anybody ever been in a wedding situation or a birthday party or the clown didn't show up, so suddenly you have to be your own clown or something like that? I'm not a clown. So you're all worried. You're in grief. Or the money changers at the temple. Do you remember when Jesus knocked over those money changer tables? Boy, that was a little bit of grief. This guy's crazy. Now I don't know how much money I got to Hey, give me that money back. That one's mine. You know, they're fighting with the other money lenders. What about when John the Baptist was killed by Herod? Do you think his disciples, do you think Jesus was sad? Some grief there? Of course, when Peter denied Christ, when Jesus died on the cross and the type of grief that Judas portrayed that led him to hang himself. Oh, if you ever been in that situation like Judas, where you feel like there's no way out, open your mouth and come right in and tell us. We're going to tell you there is a way out. Don't go that way. That's a grief that's pretty worldly, at least where it's leading. And of course, Jesus spoke of his death. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. John chapter 16, verse 20. You see, Jesus would rise from the dead. He would be resurrected. He would go to heaven. They would rejoice again as we rejoice. But some have no idea if their sorrow can go away because of their sin. Anybody ever worried that their sin is too great that God can't forgive you? Oh, there are people out there like that. And I tell you, they got a lot of grief. They got a lot of grief. And it's more grief than... You can understand, I think, because our grief is limited by our resurrection, and we know it's coming. 
Their grief is not limited at all. You might recognize Jesus' attempt to create godly sorrow. Did you know that? Jesus was just like Paul. Or I should say Paul was just like Jesus. He knew how to try to create grief in people. You know, Jesus wasn't always successful in everything he tried. Hold on, he's God. No, no, he's dealing with other human beings here now. And things just don't always work out that way. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. John chapter 8, 39 through 40. He's telling them, I am the one you should be listening to. He's trying to convince them, convict them, trying to get them the idea that, hey, well, where, you, what you're, where you're at is wrong. Grieve a little bit and have some sorrow that leads to repentance. They would not capitulate. So he used stronger words. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot hear my words. You are of the fa your father, the devil. He was a liar from the beginning. And your will is to do your father's desire. John 8, 43-44. You know, if somebody said that to me, I would probably drop to the floor and try to figure out what in the world he's talking about. Am I really listening to the devil or am I listening to God? But they didn't have it. Their refusal to listen led them to worldly grief. For we know if we don't follow Christ, as Paul says, death, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. But then there are great examples of godly grief leading to repentance. The Samaritan woman at the well. John 4, I see some smiles. I like that. I see reaction. I know you're listening. The woman caught in adultery, John chapter 8. Boy, that led to good repentance, didn't it? Peter's attitude when Jesus washed his feet. Well, uh, uh, uh. You're not washing my feet. But if I don't wash your feet, you can no longer be my disciple. Well, not only wash my feet, but wash my hands and my head and my hair and my, everything else. And Peter repented. He was sorrowful, not just for the foot washing thing. Might you recall some other thing? Simon, son of John. Do you love me? Peter was grieved. Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. John 21, 17. He had an impetus, didn't he? He had a motivation, didn't he? Were you motivated to put your life in the hands of Christ when you were buried at baptism? Were you sorrowful for your past sins? Has that grief been replaced with joy?
The lesson is called godly grief. But the reality is there's many kinds of grief. And a lot of us go through various griefs at various stages of our lives that some of us just don't fully understand because we just haven't been there yet. Be patient with us who don't fully understand. But don't let the struggles you go through stop you from allowing God to be the main strength in your life because you have an impetus you have a motivation and that motivation is recognizing exactly what Jesus did for you and now he asks us to do for others godly grief well, I don't know if that's the exact lesson that Paul would have used, but I'm glad to have brought that to your attention today. 